okay, God, I'm finding it really difficult to pray right now. I don't want to pray. And then once I've said it, like, and kind of confessed it and realized that there's been other things that have taken my, you know, um, attention and I've been present to other things, you know, rather than Him, it actually clears the way for it, you know? So there's a tip. You can take that home. That if you are feeling like, if you are feeling like it's difficult to pray, just tell God that. I think we're very far too, like, you know, formal and serious sometimes where he's actually a friend that's closer than a brother. Yes, he's an almighty God. And that, I'm stoked about that, that we actually get to call him, like, our closest friend. That's incredible. Like, there's so many incredible benefits about being a friend of, like, God's. Like, incredible. Anyway, we're not going to go on too much of a tangent. And I'm going to finish. But let me just remind you that he's very present. And he's very present in times of trouble, which is often when we call out to him the most, right? But it's incredible. And I suppose one tip that, it, that, you know, something that's helped me, like, in prayer is actually to be present myself. So whether that is putting a five-minute, rem- like, thing on my phone that, like, as in putting an alarm on my phone for five minutes to start with, where I just sit and wait and just get the other things out of my mind. The incredible peace and the incredible presence of God that I experience in five minutes is worth, is like, is just worth putting distractions away from. So he is present, we need to be present as well. So if that means putting your phone away, if that means deleting certain apps that you scroll through all the time, all these things help me heaps. So yeah, hope that blesses you. And you can have an incredible night. Dr. Hannah Jones, why don't we welcome her? Thank you, Rose. She's just awesome. Thank you. I know we've not a meant to get straight into it, but I wanted to honour you, Pastor, for hardly a minute, because just for building the most beautiful church that is filled with the presence of God and a wonderful home for me here in Sydney. So thank you. And for all that you've invested into me personally, I'm very grateful, and the other leaders here. So I was going to make a start with what the scripture on my heart for tonight was, blessed is a pure in heart, for they shall see God, Matthew 5, verse 8. And how we approach prayer makes a really big difference. I've grown up in church for a long time and I often fall, have often, fell, fall, often fallen into the trap of thinking that if I wake up every morning at six o'clock and pray for half an hour and read my Bible for half an hour, I'm going to be a perfect Christian, I'm going to have a perfect life and everything is going to change. <laughs> that is not true. Because what I find what happens is I turn it into a religious observance I get up in the morning, I tick my box, I leave unchanged, and I am no no better for it. Well, probably a little bit better, but not a lot. So, the question is, um, how do we approach prayer then? And I actually went through the New Testament and looked up every time that prayer was mentioned. And in a way, you can argue that the Bible doesn't tell you to pray. It actually tells you how to pray. It says pray without ceasing. It says pray so that you're saved. It gives you context to prayer, and it tells you what to focus on. But it doesn't actually tell you, command you explicitly. It's not a commandment to pray. And I think that is because it is like the existence of God. And I love Pastor Phil's metaphor that prayer is a Christian's oxygen. It goes without saying. We have to commune with God. It's what keeps us alive and spiritually um, healthy. And so then, because as Rose said, prayer's not always easy. So then what is it that puts us in the position where we will naturally pray and commune with God? And I think um, what the scripture I want to share with you is Deuteronomy 4 verse 29. 
which says we, that, that, we, um, sorry, that we will seek our God and will find him when we seek him with all of our heart and all of our soul. One of my favorite script um, preachers once said, there is a place where you can live in communion with God. Pay whatever price it costs to live there, for there is nothing else on earth like it. And that is similar to the scriptures, Psalm 69 verse 32. And when you seek God, your hearts shall live. That is where life is. Psalm 36 verse 9, for with you, Lord, is the fountain of life. Psalm 63 verse 1, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in this dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I want to tell you about my first encounter with God. I grew up in a Christian home. I prayed every night. I prayed to God whenever I was in trouble. I loved the Bible. I read it. tried to memorize the genealogy of Christ. <laughs> um, and didn't succeed. Couldn't get past um, Reboam. But, um, but my life was empty still. The Bible I read... And how I lived, there seemed to be a disconnect. I thought, God, there has to be something more than living a good Christian life. There has to be something more. When I was 10, we started going to a charismatic church like C3. And I'd watch the worship. I loved being in the presence of God, but I wasn't really engaged. I couldn't kind of make that step myself. And when I was 13, we went to a Christian school camp. And the preacher said, come up if you want more of God, if you're hungry for God. I was right there. I was the last person to be prayed for, and I thought maybe God has forgotten about me. But when he prayed for, when whoever it was prayed for me, I felt such joy. I felt such lightness. I felt so full of life, and I have never been the same again. That might have been 20 minutes. I don't know how long it was. The teacher said that they would have taken the whole school on camp just so that I, um, just to see the change it was in me. And that's what meeting God does to you. He changes us. We live in a secular society where we can have the answer to everything almost on our hand. If you've got a bit of anxiety, just go and see a psychologist. If you've got an ailment, go and see the doctor. If you've um, maybe between jobs, then there's Centrelink, might be able to give you a hand. There is a natural answer so many for so, uh, so often for so many of our problems. But actually, friend, we need God. You, don't, you do need a doctor, believe me, I'm one, but you actually ultimately need God far more than you need a doctor. And if you put your hope in God, then you will never be unstuck. The minute we take our hope off something, off God, we get unstuck. It is all about Him. We need God. We need God. We need God. You're not even supposed to seek healing. We are not supposed to seek prosperity. We are not supposed to seek um, even deliverance. We are supposed to seek God. I had the amazing revelation sitting back there and offering the other day. It was Psalm 23, Pastor Nat was talking about it. Psalm 23 says, love and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That's love. That's the most important of the three eternal um, um, charities, is it? Love, hope, and faith. And love, even love follows us. We are only supposed to follow God. So what stops us from seeking God and meeting with him? He's the creator of the universe. There's nothing like his presence. What stops us? And um, go back. let's go back to our scripture, Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure, free from falseness. 
um, the Spirit of God inhabits our spirit, our innermost being. It actually doesn't matter what our exterior looks like. It's not where God meets us. He meets us in our heart. And if we have anxiety, if we have shame, if we have condemnation, then all of that blocks where God wants to inhabit. The Bible also says he desires truth in our innermost part. So when we acknowledge those things before God, just like Rose said, Lord, I don't actually feel like praying. God, I'm really worried about this. Lord, I still feel bad about this, and I'm really struggling to shift it. When we are honest before him and we confess where we've gone wrong, then he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he gives us his righteousness. And even in the Old Testament, listen to this, Psalm 41 verse 12, it says, he will uphold me in my integrity and set me before his face forever. Even then, it is integrity that holds us before the face of God. I want to finish with a quote from Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest apostles of the 20th century that's bugged me all year. (laughs) And he says, every Christian should reach a place where their only desire is God. And I immediately threw back at God and said, but God, actually, delight yourself in the Lord and you will give me all the desires of my heart. (laughs) How does those two things go together? Because I know that God is such a good God and the desires of my heart that he has fulfilled, even the smallest ones. And you think, how can that matter to God? But he does, he cares, he cares, he cares. But the answer came the other week in Romans 3 verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But remember, we carry his righteousness. And so that original purpose is reinstated. We are no longer, we no longer fall short of the glory of God, but we are destined to live before the face of God and commune with him and then all the other desires grow dim. I'm gonna leave you with that thought. And a wonderful Christmas. He loves Dr. Hannah. She's amazing. Hi, church. How are you? I'm Chrissy, for those who may, I may not know. Um, I, too, want to just honour Pastor Hartley and Natalie. Thank you so much for, you know, I, I think if there's um, anyone we should model our, you know, loving prayer and, and our prayer life off, it is Pastor Hartley and Natalie. And I've had the honour over all these years to see how wonderful you guys and just faithful to the house you are through every season. So, Thank you always for believing in me. Even when I haven't deserved it, they've believed in me. It's awesome. Hey, church. Well, approach to prayer. I've called my little message the fight no one sees. And I um, I think over the last, um, I've probably learned this is, you know, prayer's a journey. Our prayer life's a journey. And, and like life, it, it goes through, um, through seasons. Um, but I've had a real revelation over, over this Ephesians um, 6, which is where my scripture's from. And I think it was so cool, like Rose and um, Hannah are these beautiful, soft, like beautiful girls. And I'm going to come in with the, with the punch because I, <laughs> I feel like prayer's been, been um, the place where I've had to battle a lot of stuff over the last 12 months. Um, so Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in, the dark, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Here's the thing, church. 
we are fighting a spiritual battle. So we're going to have a spiritual outcome. And that spiritual outcome is what happens inside of us. It takes us to a place, and, and my journey has been how to approach prayer in a place of victory, not approach prayer for victory. Because here's the thing, it's already been done. The fight's been won. We are not entering a, a, a battle or a fight that we need to win. Jesus already did it on the cross. So we can approach our prayer life in victory, not for a victory, which is awesome, right? I love that. So, you know, knowing that it's already been done, has, has taken my prayer journey to this awesome place where, you know, I've had to face a few things in myself, but it's been awesome because I know who I am in Christ. And I know that when we, we enter this, you know, our, our relationship with God, because prayer is a relationship with God. It's not a place, it's like Hannah said, it's not this formal, uh, Rose said, sorry, this formal place that where we have to be all formal and nice about it. But God knows us better than we know ourselves. And I love the fact that we can enter his space knowing that we are victorious already. Amen. This is the other thing is that, you know, I've had to learn to fight on my knees in a place of surrender. And when you know the victory is won, that's your, that's your posture. You're on your knees, you're in surrender because Jesus did it all. He's done everything. And when we pray, church, something will shift. And here's the thing, it usually shifts inside us before we see anything on the outside shift. God does a work in us before he outworks it out of us or before we even see circumstances change or things change, whatever you're believing for, whatever you're praying for, the miracle starts inside of us. And that's super exciting because I believe, you know, and I've seen great things happen in my life because there's been a shift in my heart, not necessarily around me. Psalm 46.10 in the Passion says this, Surrender your anxiety, be silent and stop striving and you will see that I am God. I am the God above all nations and I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. Church, we serve a God who is victorious. He did, you know, His victory is our victory. We live in that authority. We live in that power. And you know, when we can live in a place of surrender, when we can truly surrender every anxiety, every everything, every part of our life, when we can truly surrender that, it's powerful and things will change. Your circumstances will shift. And I love it when it says, stop your striving. Stop your striving. We're humans. Naturally, we're going to want to control things. We're going to want to see things happen in our own time. We're going to want to take control and strive in that. But we serve a God who is perfect in every way. And when we can get to a place that we can just drop that all at his feet and worship him, commune with him and, and you know, fight the battle. Because here's the, the other thing I'm learning is the, the greatest battle is ourselves. The greatest battle is, is giving up control of ourselves and not trying to take everything into our own hands, but surrendering it to God and saying, God, you know the plans for my life. You know the plans for my life. You know the plans for my family's life. You know the plan for this circumstance. You know everything that needs to happen. Church, he already knows. I love what T.D. Jake says, that prayer is actually more for the prayer. Prayer is actually more for us than it is for God. God doesn't need our prayers. 
He's amazing. He's perfect. He doesn't need any of that. But he, he asks us because what happens when we pray is our faith builds. And we get to a place where fear and all of that stuff goes to the side and we are just, you know, full of faith. I know I've walked into my little prayer space at times like, oh God, feeling so defeated and whatever. But as soon as I start praying, I get this faith inside of me and I start stamping my feet and, you know, getting off and, and you know, like going out and all out for it. But, you know, my poor roommate's probably like, what the heck's she going on about up there? But it's awesome because that's where, this is the battle that we fight. You know, that the battle the, the battle is, is spiritual. It's not against one another. It's not against our circumstances. It's in the spirit. And, and the word says that. And I love, I love that we can enter and have that authority because we have the authority of Christ in us. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, we have the authority and power in us to stamp on these things and to bind the enemy. And we, and when we learn in that place to fight the right enemy. We've, we learn to fight the right enemy. I, um, I recently had this um, revelation, beautiful, Vicki Simpson um, sent me this word, but I've really had a personal revelation about it. And like I said, I think when we can... You know, when we are actually communing and in relationship with God, I love how amazing He is at just showing us those little things that we have to change. Because here's the thing, like when we're in that place, no matter what season you find yourself in, God's purpose is always to make you more like Him. Our ultimate purpose on this earth is to become more like Him. Everything we face, everything that comes at us, we have a decision to make. Are we going to be more like Christ or are we going to be more like the world? And I know that, you know, personally, I want to be someone that will go to faith and not fear. That's going to go to, you know, mercy and grace and not anger or whatever that is. Whatever you're for, everyone's got their deals. But God knows and He's got an answer for it. And I love that when we're in that place and we can allow God to, to get in and show us those things that have to change, that we have the authority to change it. We have the authority in Jesus to make, you know, these things that the enemy wants to throw at us to distract us, not distract us because Jesus is amazing. So Isaiah 52 says this, Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in a place of honour. Remove the chains of slavery from your own neck. O captive daughter or son of Zion. Here's the thing, church. We have the power and the authority to take out those chains from our own neck. Because sometimes I believe that, you know, we even give the enemy too much credit, that sometimes it's things that we've partnered and allowed to come into our life. We don't always know that. We don't always know what it is. But I know that when we're in that place of surrender on our knees before God, He so graciously shows us those things. And then we have the authority to rip those chains off in the name of Jesus. We have the authority to tell the enemy to go back to hell where he belongs. And those words that people might have spoke over you or that circumstance that you had no control over happening to you, that depression, that fear, whatever it is, church, we have the power in the name of Jesus to, to remove that from our, from our lives. We don't have to live bound by that thing. We can put ourselves in a place of honour because of who Jesus Christ is. Amen. And what he did on the cross for every single one of us. God's grace gives us the ability to do things that we can't do ourselves. God's grace gives us that strength, that wisdom, 
that thing to do, what you think you can't do, God's grace is for that. God does the stuff that we can't do. God does the stuff that needs to happen. He is so faithful, church. If there's one thing that you just take from here tonight, it's that He's good and that He's faithful. And no matter what you are facing, He will always have the victory. He does have the victory. We can enter that throne room of grace knowing that this battle is won.